Recording live from the ARC studios, welcome to the Sustainability Podcast. Our goal is to provide engaging discussions on a broad range of topics regarding cybersecurity, sustainability, supply chain management, plus much more. For more information and to get into contact with us, visit us at arcweb.com. Welcome to the Sustainability Podcast. I'm Jim Frazier, Vice President of Smart Cities here at ARC Advisory Group. And today, I'm very excited to be joined by Ravi Srinivasan, Vice President, General Manager of Emissions Reduction Leader for Industrials at Honeywell. Uh, welcome, Ravi. Hi, Jim. How are you doing today? Great. Great, great to see you again. Absolutely. So same jump right, let's, let's jump right in. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your role, and uh, the ecosystem in which uh, you reside? Yeah, absolutely. It, it, Jim, I've been in the oil and gas industry for the last 30 plus years. I, after my undergrad, I joined Honeywell, and I've been in the automation and industry, also working closely with the customers, driving outcome that enables them to improve the profitability of the business operations, and so on and so forth. Um, I lived in uh, different countries. This is actually my eighth country that I'm working and living. And it's got a very good wide experience and also different cultures, getting exposed to different types of customers as well and their challenges and how do we go about addressing the challenge, uh, their challenges as well. Um, and uh, it, uh, since last year, I mean, you know, there's a lot of push towards sustainability and a lot of customers are looking to improve their, you know, emissions management and being more sustainable. So that kind of uh, brought me to this role. Uh, and so there's always look for challenges. What are the big challenges that can impact our customers? So in discussion with the leadership in Honeywell, uh, they've, I mean, they felt that this could be a great opportunity to help our customers and also at the same time innovating new products and solutions within Honeywell. That's not only used within Honeywell also, but externally there as well. This kind of brought me to this role early last year. And since then, I've been quite focused on developing new products and solutions, really understanding what the needs of customers. You know, a lot of solutions do exist, but what is fundamentally missing is a, a, a long-term view of the challenges that we have and how we can programmatically approach the customers, helping them in the journey. I always felt that, this is not like one-off solution. If it's the solution to achieve net zeros or a carbon neutrality was so easy, people do it overnight. Probably by end of 23 or 24, they might say, hey, I'm already done. But since the customers, they kept a goal for 2040, 2050, it means that it requires a substantial amount of time to get to the place it, uh, you know, we have to get there. And, um, uh, and also it, it, you need to handhold the customers in this journey, right? And that's where Honeywell comes in and Honeywell, it's quite uniquely positioned from the perspective of the technology, the solutions, the products that we have. That actually uh, kind of interested me to get this role and actually help the customers, and which is also very important for our planet itself and helping them to be more greener as well. So that kind of like uh, you know interested me a lot, and that's where I am right now. Oh, that's great. That, that, that's great. You know, um, for some of our audience, they may be wondering what exactly is emissions what what falls under that umbrella so so can you start just by describing you know what what is emissions and what is emissions management yeah 
Yes, I mean, there are standard rules and definitions already exist in this place. We call it scope one, scope two, scope three, which is predominantly, uh, you know, being uh, referred to. Of course, there are newer scopes being talked about. And if you see the Internet, you, you see the scope force as well. But uh, primarily, we are focusing on the scope one and two and three. But having said that, scope one is probably the most biggest one in terms of uh, the emissions. Scope one is the direct emission that is coming out of the plant or your own operations, right? This includes combustion, the coming out of, say, boilers, furnaces. Uh, then the, there's a fugitive emissions, there's a process venting, uh, et cetera, right? So uh, this is what uh, any emissions arising out of your own operations, scope one. Then we have the scope two emissions that's coming out of the indirect emissions from the purchase electricity or a purchase steam, for example. Anything beyond this, which is the upstream or the downstream, like you buy something from someone else or you're selling something to someone else, the emission associated in the upstream side and the downstream side of the value chain is scope three. But uh, if you really go back in the fundamentals, the scope, if you're able to manage the scope on emissions, correct, you're able to address the reduction completely in the overall value chain. Scope two is some is someone else's scope one is scope two for someone else, correct? It's always that is it's it becomes part of the value chain. So our fundamental focus more on scope one if I'm able to help the customers in reducing the emissions, correct? So the emissions, uh, the way I, I'm seeing it is that uh, let's take combustion for example. Um, you know we we burn things or other say for example the boilers we we have used natural gas as a fuel for example. So as part of the process, how do you optimize the use of the gas? How do you ensure that the control is happening in a very tight fashion so that amount of energy being consumed is very optimal? So which means that energy and emissions are very related. Lower the energy consumption, lower the emissions. So just an example. So our main focus on scope one, of course, uh, along with that in helping the scope two and, of course, eventually the scope three as well. So that will help the customers to manage which uh, suppliers they need to choose so that the overall the end product, the carbon footprint of the product is the lowest for them. Okay. Um, th- th- thanks for that. Um, you know, before we talk about, I mean, um, I'm looking forward to talk about the, these repeatable uh, solutions you have, but before we, we go there, what are the main application areas where Honeywell has uh, an impact in this domain? Yeah, uh, if you look at the scope one, I'm just looking at say combustion, for example, right? For combustion, it's all about how do you improve the overall combustion efficiencies for another plant. So uh, we do have substantial amount of solutions around this in the process area, where we can uh, we have the ability to help the customers to run the effic- run the plant more efficiently. Okay, that's one. So uh, if you look at the flare, having a, a flare watch, for example, that also is something solution that we have. The second, the third thing is that just to give you a little bit of high level, I can always dive deep as you move forward, is also is on the leak detection, correct? Especially the fidgety leaks. Methane is a big deal considering the global warming potential. Current mechanism that uh, the customers follow is what they call periodic inspection. So they typically go around once a quarter or once in six months, depending upon their operating procedures, looking for leaks in the field. And what happens is that anything in between, it, most of the time it goes unnoticed. And uh, when you do a lot of, uh, you know, leak uh, emissions using emissions calculations and factors, you're actually not representing the right emissions in the plant. If you may be under um, estimating or overestimating as well. 
So, but at the end of the day, if you really look at natural gas or feedstock, if you if you're losing it, you're not actually converting to end product in number of cases. So we're having a direct measurement, ability to track the leaks in real time, and ability to mitigate. It actually helps in the bottom line of the organization, and at the same time, you know, uh, reducing the greenhouse gas emissions as well. So there are a lot of these solutions uh, that we have. The industries that we serve actually cuts across uh, in all the process industries. Actually, if you really look at combustion, is a combustion irrespective of whether it's in oil and gas or it's in pharmaceutical. The boilers are boilers, right? So from that perspective, our applications are all very modular in structure, ability to use the same models from one industry to the other industry and so on and so forth. Also beyond industry, we also have solutions around the buildings where we do substantial amount of work on energy optimization in HVAC management, boiler controls and other things in the building. And also we extended that across to the flights as well. You know, the flight efficiency, how do I take my, I mean, when the pilot is flying, which is the best route to get to the destination at the lowest energy consumption, right? So we kind of cut across multiple different industries, uh, you know, in, in the segment uh, to help, uh, help our customers in energy reduction. That's fascinating. I didn't expect a, what such a breadth of, of industries there from, from flight to uh, leak detection, let's say. Yeah, that's right. Um, so what are the challenges that you're finding in deploying, you know, these uh, answers to these challenges that, that are out there? What um, what are you facing? Yeah, these challenges, the, the way I see it is that the adoption, correct? Because there's all, a lot of technologies that are new in the picture, especially the detection devices. So a lot of people are testing out various technologies in the process. That's one. So it's just that once, I, I would call it, it's just more of a matter of time. Once people are comfortable, it will be moving from the pilots and the initial installations to a scale-up, right? So uh, considering that there is a lot of uh, regulations uh, coming as this come in, which is the for the inflation reduction ads, so on, so on and so forth, also the cross-border adjustment mechanism in the Europe, uh, there's a lot of push towards reduction of emissions and also a lot of uh, commitments being made to, say, zero routine flaring, for example, right? or reducing the methane content by X percent. A lot of uh, customers have made some bold decisions or bold commitments towards that. So the, the time that we have is probably limited. Uh, the, the way I see it, how quickly we can adopt and scale from the customer's perspective and also supported by the technology companies such as Honeywell, uh, I think is something that we should, uh, I would consider as one of the challenges and opportunities as we move forward. The second part that I also see is the change management by itself, right? As I, as, uh, I always talk about that in terms of the change that needs to be done. Sustainability was always seen as a kind of, it's more from push, push from various regulators, government agencies and so forth. And having said that, I think lots of companies, more and more companies are embracing sustainability as part of the culture. The way I always compare that to the safety, many, many, a few decades ago, safety was seen as an add-on, but now it's become part of the culture. So nobody talks safety. Safety is part and parcel of the discussion these days. So very similarly, the sustainability is going to be part and parcel of the everyday discussion. How do I do more uh, with less? Right? I think that's what uh, we, we see as an opportunity. We're heading in the direction. And once that becomes part of the discussion, I don't think they'll be talking about what is needed. Uh, I think that, that that's the time that we'll achieve the scale that is needed and the speed and velocity that's needed to make it work. 
and help the global warming as well. So I'm intrigued by, you know, one of your uh, obstacles or challenges is the challenge of crossing the chasm from the pilot project to to a, a large implementation. Uh, how do you surmount that? And is it is it are some of these solutions incremental so that as that incremental trust can build and someone can work to a, a full implementation or is it a scenario where someone needs to be a believer and be all in on day one? Yeah. Uh, okay. First and foremost, yeah, you've got to have some amount of belief that this is going to work, correct? Of course, yeah. that's how we do the pilot. Yeah. I mean, if there's no belief, if you, I don't think we get to a pilot stage itself. We are doing a number of pilots across where customers are seeing very good results. First and foremost, of course, we've got to try outcomes. You know, any new technologies, this is like, you know, people want to try it out. Uh, that's one part of that. So once that is, uh, you know, show the results that's coming in, correct, as expected, I mean, always there's a success criteria and uh, success factors. Once we have those things very clearly defined, then it helps you in the next stage that, hey, this does meet the requirement they're looking for. Now the next point comes in, how do I scale this across the uh, the entire plant or multiple plants? Because a lot of customers got multiple plants globally. So th- that's going to play a part. So uh, and, uh, I think uh, ha- having the uh, right discussion, the second thing is that uh, this is not about the you know traditional customer-seller-vendor relationship. This is about a lot of joint innovation and, and co-innovation as well. So as we are talking to customers, I'm working closely with a lot of customers. Uh, they are part and parcel of the game, right? They are part and parcel of that. It's a common issue that we are trying to solve. Yeah, and sustainability is everything under the sun. I don't think there's any one single company that's going to say, I've got everything in this world that I'm going to go solve your problem 100%, right? This is where we are actually engaging with a number of customers in terms of, okay, you have something new, something different. We're willing to jointly develop, co-develop, and uh, create something that's quite unique and helps the customers and multitude of customers in the process as well. So it's a combination of uh, engagement. It's a combination of, I mean, other things, obviously the funds, correct? But definitely there are a lot of funds being made available through various agencies and uh, for to support these kind of investments and pilots as well. I'm, I'm also intrigued. Thank you for that. Uh, I'm also intrigued by your comment about, about change management. You know, as you and I sit here and many, many of us in, in uh, the world we all work in, we're all engineers. And, every, and you always lead with technology. And you know, you, you mentioned you know change management, um, and you know from a from an engineer's perspective, well, there's that there's that well used saying that if, all, if my only tool is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Mm. But in change management or dig, this really is a digital transformation effort. That's right. And you know, there's three formal pillars there of digital transformation, and one is the technology yep. that we probably spend too much time on. The second is the is the the evolving or radically changed business process that's caused by applying that technology. Yep. And then the third and the hardest one, from my, from my perspective, and what most challenging one is, well, the people. They yep. need to embrace and live and love the this this new reality. <laughs> so, um, can you talk a little bit about those later pieces of digital transformation? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, technology is easy, correct? You can work that indefinitely. But for, for every change that we do, the pro- business cross on people are very, very critical, right? 
So first and foremost, how do you, from the business process perspective, that is always a standard operating procedure that exists in the, in the organization. This is maybe I've been doing for the last 10 years, 20 years. So the system supports that. The minute you try to create a new element, we add a new element in, the business process to change and, or create the need that people start to follow the new processes. Okay, first of all, what's the impact it provides by the change? First of all, a lot of training competency becomes very, very important in this process. But the business process and people, I, the way I see it, just goes hand in hand. It's like, uh, which it's, it's like sometimes I see it as like, it's like, uh, it's a two sides of the coin. The, the, the people follow the business process and some of the business process tends, makes people to follow certain processes, correct? The way I see it. So, you know, the, the way I, say, I see is that I'm going to combine these two into one as I speak through, uh, Jim, is first and foremost is training. Uh, the uh, competency and training is going to be very, very critical. Mm-hmm. And also, the one of the things that we need to do, even when we look at our organization, irrespective of sustainability, why are we doing this? I mean, I really want the people to be part and parcel of the journey. They need to understand what outcome we are trying to drive by doing this change. And the minute they understand the outcome that we are driving in terms of the global warming or in terms of making more sustainable product and creating a better future, not just for the for the planet, but also for the future generations, people are going to embrace the change. It takes time, but it requires constant messaging from the leadership and also it kind of walk the talk. Right? It's just not about telling other people. I mean, I always say, it's, uh, I mean, there's another background I always have. Sustainability starts with me. Right. It's not about some not a number of times you said, what are you doing about sustainability? There are times we, I need to say, what am I doing about it? Minute I believe in that, then it starts, our action starts to demonstrate that mm-hmm. I am, I really am concerned about sustainability. I'm doing everything to impact, uh, in a positive way for the organization or for, you know, the people around us. So that starts from the leadership. I mean, like, for example, within Honeywell, that's a constant message that comes on in terms of what are we doing internally? How much are we doing in terms of reducing our energy coming, I mean, in emissions and so on and so forth? So that, that, that it kind of, kind of uh, percolates down the organization. I probably, I would say that everybody in our organization talks about sustainability and then what they're doing to contribute, creating those kind of uh, a, a, a pool in terms of the, uh, you know, system within the organization goes to make a lot of difference. It's very similar to safety, correct? The amount of signboards you see into the plant. Uh, I mean, I see in one of the plants, it's like 20 years ago when I was visiting one of the plants, we are safe until the first accident. Correct? <laughs> it's a pretty like catchy statements and slogans out there. Uh, it, and people take an extra effort on safety, right? And this is, this is like a little bit towards a similar angle. Uh, it comes from the like, constant messaging from the customer, from the top management, and the impact. And also, as you see the, this transition towards the, uh, you know, the uh, green premium uh, from the commercial perspective, okay, that's going to make it a lot of difference. The way we have this financial accounting system, correct? You know, similarly, a carbon accounting system would drive from the economic perspective. Uh, and when they start to see the value of carbon in terms of a dollar, I think it will change a lot. So I think we're heading the direction. Um, so one is from the financial perspective, other is from the people and the business process. They all go like hand in hand eventually. Uh, so that's what I'm kind of thinking through in terms of where it's going to head and uh, change management, getting people competent, provide more training, constant messaging. And sometimes over communication is good in certain areas. I would recommend sustained is one of that. 
uh, that should help us driving the right direction for us. <clears throat> well, that's that's a great start to to our, to our segment about how to overcome some of those challenges. Uh, I'd like to move on to perhaps um, those four vertical markets that uh, you outlined earlier. You know, we talked about some of the emissions challenges generally about that there are emissions challenges across all four. Can you can you walk us through each of those to, to talk about how you might have surmounted those challenges in these very different industries? Yeah, absolutely. I'll I, I can start off the process industries first, right? So the, the mechanism that we are approaching here is uh, it, it's not even a point solution, correct? A lot, there are a lot of companies can offer you a, a, a piecemeal solution, provide a midget to do certain things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole approach that we have taken as an organization is a transformational journey. It's a digital transformation in a broad sustainability, correct? So uh, the whole idea is we kind of made that into four themes, measure, monitor, report, and reduce. This whole idea is about being a closed-loop mechanism. It cannot be open-loop. I provide you information, then you go figure it out. And the way we are taking is that, hey, I'm providing information, but I'm going to provide recommendation. I'm going to help you to mitigate as well. So that's a big deal in terms of having a closed-loop where Honeywell as an organization, it's just not about technology. We have process licenses. We are a chemical manufacturing company as well. We have pretty unique knowledge which we bring into the industry. So that's going to be a very critical one in terms of uh, looking at it. So the way we start off is this, this journey is probably common. The technologies or applications that apply to various industries could be a little different because the challenges are different in different uh, parts of the segments. So if you look at the oil and gas, for example, just to give an example uh, for, for this discussion, uh, first of all, estim- estimating the right baseline. Okay, uh, The way I see it is that currently, you look at any any organization, they do provide uh, reports, how much is the scope and emissions, how much is scoped emissions. They do a lot of estimation. When I sit through with the customers, they do a lot of uh, calculation based on factors, which is published by the by the authorities. Right. And there are a lot of spreadsheet that goes beyond that. Even with our own organization, we had done that for a while. You know, it's amount of what amount of feed that's coming in. I use the emission factor and say this is my emissions uh, for for the organization. But we also transition from that to understand uh, if I have to know on a periodic basis how much of emissions uh, I'm generating, there's no way you're going to mitigate it. Unless you measure in real time, near real time, you cannot mitigate it. So the whole approach that we've taken is about measurement and uh, direct measurement as much as possible. And also managing near real time is going to make the difference for the customer. It's like the way we run our plant, right? It's like if I don't know what's happening today, I can't mitigate that. So the whole software that we have generated is all about making sure we actually understand what are the emission sources in the plant, which is nothing no rocket science. But at the same time, uh, comparing with what's the energy intensity, what's the methane intensity across the organization, providing real-time visualization dashboard, providing analytics, that actually helps, okay, I'm not doing well at this part of the area of the plant. And what is causing that? How need to drill down to that cost, the, the, the fault, correct? That will actually help the customers to figure out, okay, there's some actions that I need to do and what are the potential actions that I need to do. Creating a closed loop. Just give an example of just on the leaks itself. As I mentioned to you about LDAR, which is commonly followed mechanism, leak detection repair, where people go with sniffers in the plant once a quarter and then I've seen in some plants, they said they go once around six months. So, 
So the day of the leaks don't happen. It's not constant all the time. It depends upon various process conditions, right? Higher the pressure leaks could happen. Lower the pressure leaks may not necessarily, you know, they uh, come out. So if you go on a day where ideal situation is ideal, you may come out, maybe the leaks are minimal, but the minute it comes out, the thing, situation, operational condition could be very different. Right. So we are not actually representing ourselves with the true emissions that's happening in the plant. By having a direct measurement, it can actually help you to figure out, hey, I have an emission. I'm able to quantify where the source leak is coming from. I can generate a work order. I can close the loop by fixing the loop. In some of the instances where we had done, Customers initially said, yeah, we don't, we are fine. We don't have leaks still. We, we installed the sensors. Oh, okay. We can see it, but good thing. They send the, depending upon the threshold, they sent the technician fixed it. Uh, otherwise you would have probably figured that out over the next few months, right? That's the kind of uh, feedback that we got. That's one part of that. The second part is also having a fence line monitoring through our cameras for the gas cloud imaging cameras, uh, having a 360 degree view of what's happening across the plant ability to track and measure and monitor uh, from a distance, yeah, what are the different types of leaks that's happening in the plant. So that also provides you, you know, sometimes the bottom surface is dropped down, reconciliation, estuarine oil and gas, you know, areas. A lot of people are looking at OGMP, oil and gas methane partnership framework. Are we complying to that? Helping in the direction as well. So the other one that we are also working on is the what we call the marginal abatement cost curve. You know, like there are different ways to get to the destination. This is not like one direction. So there are multiple ways. Ability to understand, hey, if I do a specific action, what is the return on investment and what's the cost mm-hmm. of that, correct? And what's the emission that I go to do? That provides an ability for the customers to say, okay, which are my low hanging, which, which are the low hanging fruits that I need to take, uh, take forward with before they go to the big ticket items. This, uh, the, the leak detection, for example, they're all operational stuff that we work on. The second part of the operational efficiency comes as what we call energy efficiency. Energy efficiency can come in multiple pictures. As I mentioned to you, the emissions result of the way your process is behaving, right? The, you know, the way the process is functioning and all this stuff. If you run the process more efficiently through advanced process control optimization, always we looked at from the perspective of, uh, Production. Hey, I need to maximize my throughput in the plant. And that's how the APCs were, uh, were always configured, understanding the constraints. Now, if you had the emissions also as one of the factor, you can start to balance that out. Okay. I, I am also looking at the overall energy intensity. How do I, does it compare to emissions? Is it in line with what you're looking for? Do I need to do some trade off here and manage somewhere else? What are the multiple leverages I have across the plant? So that I'm still maintain my emissions or lower my emissions, but I'm able to have better throughput in the plant. That's one area, example. Other is asset performance. Like we have lots of big assets in the plant, compressors, boilers, turbines. How are the assets performing? Typically, if you notice, a uh, lot of plants, when during the design stage, they have ideal conditions uh, based on which they actually design these uh, rotating equipments. But in real life, the ideal conditions and the operating conditions are very different. It, there's a lot of gap. Right, uh, you know, in the pump, picture, the best efficiency point and the real one, this could be very different. So these, this one provides you these suggestions in terms of how we can run much better. One of the customer actually reduced emissions substantially by running the assist better. Yeah. At the end of the day, like you're reducing energy consumptions and so on and so forth. The third part is on the digital to an ability to predict uh, what the emissions could happen. It's all about like, I mean, the way I, I, uh, I love this point is the control before it happens, correct? If I know what's going to happen, I can possibly have better controls in place to help to reduce the emissions as well. 
So just kind of little examples around the operational efficiency. But as you move forward, this is not going to solve your entire net zero or carbon neutrality journey. You have to switch to, say, other types of fuels, the hydrogen transition, correct? Uh, that's going to be a big deal. So Honeywell has got technology around green hydrogen in helping our customers. The other part is carbon capture, right? Like, you know, we have this emissions coming out of the blue hydrogen. How do you sec- uh, segregate uh, and sequester the carbon uh, either in underground, uh, you know, maybe reinject back or in underground storage. So, so Honeywell provides complete technology around carbon capture uh, for the customers as well. We have a lot of installed base uh, already. We already have more than 40 million uh, metric ton of per year of capacity installed already. And we are, a lot of customers are actually working with Honeywell for the newer opportunities and projects as well. Uh, then you move forward, moving forward a little bit on battery energy storage system. You know, we have a lot of renewable supplies coming in. And they are intermittent. How do you balance that with the energy storage system that can feed in back when at looking at the uh, peak shaving, looking at the optimizing the overall energy consumption within the plant as well. We're also introducing flow batteries, which is for the longer term duration storage, which is even actually much, much lower energy consumption or emissions from, from that perspective. Uh, so that's another area that we are looking at as well. Then we also have introduced a lot of technology around eco-finding for sustainability aviation trio. Uh, you know, we already have lots of customers. We have more than 24 licenses, I think, globally uh, in the space. And probably it's, it's, it's like it's increasing as we every on a, on a regular basis. So if you really look at, uh, there is a measure part, making sure we have the right measurement, monitoring on a real-time basis, providing predictive analysis, uh, analytics for the customers to make more insightful decisions, and also correlating what causes the emission is very, very important because that's how we can address the root cause. Then comes the operational efficiencies part, correct? Uh, which mm-hmm. these are all very typically NPE positive. There's a good ROI. These are low hanging fruits. Then you move on to the fourth part, which is the, the energy transition piece. So from Honeywell's perspective, we have the technology, not only from the automation, software. We also have measurement, also process technologies that provides that makes us quite unique in this industry. Along with that, the one thing that I always said is that this is journey. Honeywell has been working with customers for many, many years. And uh, this is where we can actually help the customers for the next decade, two or three, to help them to get to that end point as well. Wow, so this is more from the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you focus there and I understand your, your, your focus is uh, industrials. Uh, but you also, you also have mentioned, you know, buildings, um, uh, flights, aircraft. Um, I know Honeywell has an active presence in the advanced metering infrastructure market as well. Um, That's right. can you talk about some of those? Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to the building automation, correct? I mean, Honeywell has been in the building business. If you really, really uh, Honeywell started with a thermostat, correct? I mean, uh, way back in 1885. Uh, you know, that's the time I think it's really start off with the thermostat, the temperature control devices. So we got probably uh, installed based probably around a million buildings globally in terms of various technologies or solutions being installed. There's been a lot of point solutions and or a combination of end-to-end solutions. When it comes to the building automation, uh, you know, uh, what we lo- we're looking at is the energy optimization, correct? There is uh, uh, electricity being consumed in, in the building. They're all scoped to predominantly because they've sourced energy from outside. Of course, customers may think to go from the traditional energy source to a renewable source that actually swings the scope emissions right. from one end to other end overnight, right? That's one. But also a lot of the uh, lighting, a lot of uh, 
HVAC related stuff. There are a lot of people in the building, correct? How do you optimize the energy? So we have very similar to advanced process control optimization that I spoke about in the industrial space. We have what is called energy optimization. We have sustainability building manager. That's a solution that we call it in the building space. That actually helps the customers to figure out what is a, how do I need to operate my building more efficiently, right? So again, linking the energy to the dollar, the financial performance becomes very, very critical because minute people are able to see that from a financial perspective, apart from the energy, that, that I, I think it, like, it clicks, right? Like, yeah. hey, I can do something better. So that's one of the examples in the building space, right? And also the uh, at the enterprise level, what we are doing is integrating the industrials and the buildings on the same dashboards. So if I go to a customer, they do have industrial plants, they have business jets, they also have buildings. How do we ensure that customers are they see a one unified single version of truth in emission systems or record for various activities? So our software at the top layer actually helps them uh, to provide that unified view for our customers. So looking at the flight, I just talked about, uh, you know, for the, when I look, go to the airlines uh, industries, they look at, they've got a lot of scope three, for example, for sure, but I'm, uh, I'm not going to talk about scope three for today, but focusing more on scope one, scope two, the, uh, the biggest thing they're looking at is that if I change from the jet fuel to sustainable aviation fuel, it swings a lot in terms of the emissions that they're doing. Yeah, that's, so that's what Honeywell provides for the airlines. Like, for example, last year or so, United uh, did pro- provide a paper. United Airlines are using sustainable aviation fuel from Honeywell technology in the flights. And they talked about some of the reduction that they're uh, making in that process. That's one. Second, I talked about the flight efficiency. It's a kind of a soft, it's a software. I think probably quite a number of airlines are already subscribed to that particular software. Ability to provide the guidance in terms of which is the best route considering all the conditions uh, for them to take so that they have the lowest energy consumption or lowest fuel consumption in the journey. I think that's a significant deal in terms of, uh, you know, uh, em- uh, emission reduction. Third part, if you look at, uh, there are a lot of tank forms at the, uh, for, uh, the uh, airlines facility and there is a lot of buildings as well. So it's a combination of the buildings and other things that we do for the airline industry. So one is from the flight part of it itself. The second part is the assets that the airline industry own, uh, whether they have, uh, you know, tank farms for the fuel. How do you ensure that the leakage is a minimum? It's the process venting is minimum out there. How do you enable the airports to be more efficient so that all these things contribute in terms of reducing the energy consumption and improving the emissions performance as well. Okay, uh, that was that, that, that was fascinating and and, and very much in, in detail. That was uh, much appreciated. Um, let me ask you: We've covered a lot of ground, and we're we're nearing the end of our time here. Uh, you know, what are some of the key benefits for your internal and external clients? We've covered a lot of benefits here today. But what are the key ones that really stand out to you? First and foremost, uh, you know, for me, the way I see um, internal Honeywell customers and the external internal Honeywell is more challenging and difficult. They're very demanding. So if I were able to convince my internal customer like Mohammed, whom you spoke to a little bit earlier, I think I've done my job. <laughs> so uh, the way we look at it is that first and foremost, it's not a cost, right? The benefits what our, people, our, our organization is seeing and also is seeing a lot of customers seeing, hey, that's a lot of low-hanging fruits out there. This is this could be profitable as well. This is about running the plant more efficiently, running the assets efficiently, reducing energy consumptions, 
it's a financial benefit they're seeing. So it's a not com. It's a how you run their plant more effectively, and how you're dri- driving a better ROI or a better bottom line is the I think the big benefit that customers see. The second thing, which is very critical, uh, is beyond just the financial, is with installation of the, the hydrogen, the transitions and all the stuff you're looking at. I think we've got to do something to preserve Mother Earth, correct? I mean, that's a longer-term goal. Uh, as long as people, I, 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 or I do see a lot of people getting into that in the bandwagon of supporting that, the more and more people, uh, you know, we make it a norm. I think that could be a benefit for all of us for the future generation as well. So I do see financial benefits and uh, in terms of uh, being sustainable. Of course, I think once economics become much more, uh, uh, you know, conducive, a lot of newer technologies like green hydrogen will get adopted in a larger scale as you move forward. Um, you know, as um, you know, as a senior leader with Honeywell in the sustain in their sustainability effort, what what recommendations can you make to other companies and individuals in the industry that might not be as far down this path? Yeah. So first and foremost, I think creating a blueprint, I think, is going to be very important. Uh, we, as Honeywell, started our journey way back in probably in the mid-2000s. Okay. And uh, over the last 18, 20 years, uh, we have reduced our greenhouse gas emission by 90%. We are committed to a 2035 new carbon neutrality goal. We are very much in the journey. We are very much on track of doing the things, correct? So there are big ticket items we're working on in the industrial space and trying to reducing the emissions in the certain chemical plants. But uh, that, that's one thing. First and foremost is there should be a bold commitment from the, especially the people who are in the, in the nascent stage. Okay. What do I need to do? Making a bold commitment and embracing that, hey, I have to do something, making a commitment, okay, I want to be by 2035, 2040, what are the numbers are, depending on the organization. I want to be carbon neutral or a net zero or aiming for a net zero. I mean, the way I would put it, getting to net zero may be very challenging. Aiming to get to a near net zero, the commitment needs to be there. Then that needs to be part and parcel of the key leadership messages, and they need to start tracking internally the what they're doing to achieve that, correct? One is saying, other is actually execution. So, an allocation of funds and budgets is going to be equally important uh, in terms of uh, embracing this change and engaging the right uh, organizations, such as Honeywell, who can help you in this journey, correct? Uh, so, that's going to be very critical in terms of making commitment, uh, making a plan, and also having a team, a dedicated team that's focused on this, because otherwise, you're always going to be dragged onto the day-to-day job uh, and this becomes a, a side note or a, a kind of hobby. So having a dedicated team focused on that with a goal that hey, I have to do A, B, C items to get to a, a, a more sustainable organization, I think that is going to be critical. Well, well Ravi, I want to thank you for your time today. We're, we're just about nearing the, the yeah. end of our time together. Um, do you have any last uh, comments for our uh, audience today? Yeah, yeah, I think uh, it, this is the most exciting thing. You know, I've been working in the industry as I mentioned for the last 30, 33 years in different parts of the world. I think this is possibly the, the biggest thing that I've seen, the, the, the biggest opportunity for the mankind. And, uh, and also, it's a great opportunity to relook at the way we, we do things and make our planet more sustainable as well. So but, uh, I think we are on the right journey. Of course, so speed is always the key, uh, key, and speed and scale is going to ma- matter a lot. 
but uh, I do see with it, all the technologies and the way the companies are working together to address this, I think this is called we are in the right time uh, to make this happen. And hopefully people are committed to, uh, you know, uh, towards a greener future and uh, so that uh, the future generation can live on this planet, uh, you know, more peacefully as well. Well, well, th- thank you, Ravi. Again, our, our guest today on the Sustainability Podcast has been Ravi Srinivasan, Vice President, General Manager, Emissions Management at Honeywell Connected Enterprise. Ravi, thank, thank you again. Thank and you. we look forward to seeing all of our esteemed audience on our next episode of the Sustainability Podcast. See awesome. you again soon. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Jim. Really pleasure. Take care. Thank you.